and turn to Colossians chapter 2. And if you would like to use the Pew Bible that is in the Pew Rack, you can turn to page 983. Our focus for this morning is going to be Colossians 2, 1 through 5. Colossians 2, 1 through 5. But I would like us to read uh, a little bit of context, starting at uh, chapter 1, verse 24. And we'll read through chapter 2, verse 5. Our sermon title is To Be or Not to Be Mature. So hear, hear that as we, as we read God's holy word. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am willing to, to, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God to cho chose to make known how great among the Gentile are, Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And here our focus this morning. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged by by being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for which I am, for though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And let us pray. Father God, your word is a precious gift. It is, uh, it is through the word that you reveal yourself, your character, your intentions of salvation, of redeeming your people. And Lord, this morning, you are showing us what spiritual maturity looks like for those who are in Christ. So Lord, would you open our ears, open our eyes? Would you change us from one degree of glory to another? Lord, let us not only receive this, but Lord, may we take it and be changed by it. So Lord, work in me, your servant, as, as, I, as I share your word. And Lord, through it, Lord, we pray that our lives would be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember back when we started, I believe about 11 weeks ago, we started this 
our journey through Colossians, you remember that the major theme of Colossians is the supremacy of Christ. He is supreme. He is above all other things. He is the center of everything. He is the very core, the essence of everything. And now we're in this section of of, uh, Colossians where we're dealing with a Christ-centered ministry. And last week we looked at the, the ministry of the of this mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is it, what does it look like? And last week's passage flows from the end of chapter one as we have seen the word for that begins in in chapter four. And in, in Colossians one, verse 28, Paul says that his goal is ministry. His ministry is to present everyone, everyone mature in Christ. Every man, every woman, every child who is in Christ, his goal, his struggle, his toil is to present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29 says that he toils, he's he's struggling with the energy that only comes from Christ. And chapter 2 continues this, this, this theme seamlessly as he uses the word struggle again to show his intense effort, his intense desire to see the church in in Colossae and the church in Laodicea reach maturity in Christ. The reality is, for you and me, we live in a culture that uh, does not really value maturity, right? I'm going to pick on men just for a little bit. There is always inside of us just this boyish desire, isn't there? What can we blow up? Right? And your wife just goes, really? What are you doing? Honey. And she'll just walk away. If you lose an arm, don't come crying to me. But there's kind of this, how fast can we get there? What can we blow up? What can we shoot? What can, can, what can we dissect? What can we tear apart? There, there's that side of us that is always, always desiring to have a boyish side, right? We, we desire that. And that's part of our culture. I, I even see it as my daughter grows up. There was a, a point in her life where dollies were everything, but yet she wanted to be kind of this, this princess, this dress this way, and she even still today has the good old tiara. And when it comes out, you know there's this desire. But even as women mature, there's kind of this desire to be valued and honored and seen as, even though you may not wear a tiara, There's still a tear in your heart and your mind, right? Growing up is not necessarily valued greatly in our culture. In our Western culture, youth and immaturity seem to stand as as the optimum time of life. Even in our conversations, we talk about, man, do you remember when? And we always go back. We always go back. I've seen it and kind of heard it in my kids' lives. They, they, they want to grow up and they want to have this, this freedom that mom and dad have. They always would express their age as, well, I'm eight and a half, or I'm, I'm almost 12. I'm, so it's always the, the reaching forward and wanting to, to have that next age. I want to kind of grow up, but yet, here's the deal. For many of us, as adults, 
you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, and you are dreading when you are going to hit that next decade. I'm 46, and I'm going, 50? 50? That makes me like my dad. I'm, I'm hitting that next, my, my life is almost over, right? I'm hitting, almost getting close. No offense to those of you who are, are in that, that season of life. Right? I love you. Forgive me. But it, we kind of have this mentality of, I don't want to grow older. I don't want to mature. I don't want that. We live in a culture that really hesitates about desiring maturity, about growing up. So the question for us today as a community centered on Jesus Christ, with Christ at our center, is whether or not we really truly desire maturity, Christian maturity, spiritual maturity, maturity in Christ to be presented as mature, complete in Christ. Paul did and desired for all his children in the, in the faith to become mature. That was his greatest desire as a pastor, church planter, is to see these children, spiritual children of his, to attain maturity. And in this five-verse section of Colossians 2, we see Paul describing three truths concerning maturity in Christ. Three truths. The first one, the first truth about maturity we see is that there is always a fight for maturity. There's a fight for maturity. Paul states that he wants them to know that he has a great struggle, a great struggle for the church in Laodicea as well as this neighboring church, this church in Colossae as well as their neighboring church in Laodicea. And for all those that have never seen him, he has a great struggle for them to grow up and to be mature in Christ. He is struggling. Struggle is a strange word that, that unless we see it in its context of verse uh, chapter 129, we won't understand it. Paul uses this athletic uh, metaphor describing his intense effort, this intense drive and struggle that he exerts towards those who have never seen him. He is just pushing all that he has. And what a testimony of the heart of a of a true pastor, a minister. He has a view of the world that does not leave people out. He desires and struggles for all to be mature in Christ. Even those that he has never even met. His struggle is to present everyone mature in Christ. What, what an aggressive and challenging goal for me as a pastor, that everyone that I come in contact, everyone who becomes a member that's an attender, that is checking out, my desire for you, even if I do not know you, my really my heart's desire is that here, as you are gathering, as, as you are scattering, that you are, my toil, my struggles, that you become mature in Christ, that you are growing up in every way in Christ. More and more, you are being formed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ in every way, in your marriage, 
in your finances, in your work ethic, in how you parent your children, in how you handle conflict, how you handle those sweet times in life, that you are being more and more formed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So in terms of of application, verse 1 shows us that maturity is worth sweating for. It's worth working for. If Paul is desiring this for you, he wants you to grow up and become mature in Christ. Should that not be your desire as well? Paul uses an intense word to describe his desire for the people he has never seen, that they may be mature in Christ. We must see the need to become mature. And we must even buck our culture, which argues against the benefit of being mature. It's worth, friends. It is worth sweating for, fighting for, and going out after to grow up in Christ. And I pray that we do not fall short in the struggle and the toiling for maturity. And I pray that your struggle and toiling for maturity is not just here on Sunday morning. If this is it, you are dying through the week. You need to be struggling and toiling and fighting for maturity Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Working together with brothers and sisters in Christ, which kind of leads us to the second truth. The second truth is there are definitely some features to maturity. There are characteristics to how this maturity is taking place. In verse 2, it begins with the word that. That their hearts may be encouraged. It, it could be translated in order that. In order that. And introduces a, really a, a purpose clause. Here's really the purpose of your, your maturity. We, we've seen it in Colossians previously. In Colossians 1.28 where Christ is the head, the firstborn of the dead. That, for the purpose of that, in everything he might be preeminent. So, Paul is struggling with purpose in mind. And that purpose is he is struggling for their maturity. And what does this maturity look like? A fairly uh, lengthy and slightly complex clause follows what what describes some facets of maturity. There's some facets, some some features of this maturity. And we're going to just look at two of them in this section. There are two characteristics that describe what Paul has for us. And they might not have been the the concepts that you would use to describe maturity. Because sometimes I think when we think about a spiritually mature person, it's somebody who can pull out a a Bible that's totally in Greek or totally in Hebrew. And they can say, oh, let me parse that out for you. Do you know what this one? Oh, euangelion. You know what that is? Good news. Yeah, yeah, you, you missed that one. The word pos, do you know what that means? Oh, it's everything. In fact, pos is conceptually everything. Oh, what, what about this word? You know, and you go, oh, wow, that person is really mature in Christ. No, the reality is that person may have a lot of knowledge. 
Knowledge without transformation is just knowledge. And maybe you're looking at maturity. Man, this person is really involved in ministry. They have, they, in fact, they are in charge of three different ministries in the church. Everybody's following after them. And you go, man, that is what spiritual maturity looks like. In fact, they're at church all the time. The reality is, no, they may just be overcommitted. And that's not really what maturity is. So we have to look here. What, what does Paul say are some features, some facets of spiritual maturity? Here's the first one. Community. Community. Paul struggles to see their hearts encouraged being knit together in love. Knit together in love. The word for encouraged is sometimes used in Christian circles, right? I just want to encourage you. It's kind of like almost a holy huddle pat on the butt, pat on the back, way to go kind of thing, right? Way to go. Or, man, I want to encourage you. You did a great job here. But often in scriptural language, when we talk about encourage, the word parakletos, or we use, it's often used as paraclete, for those of you, and this is one of my really smart moments, right? Um, it is used in the Gospel of John to describe the Holy Spirit, the encourager, the one who's going to be coming after. But this word has many possible meanings, of which encouraged seems to be the most frequent. I think in this context, a better translation would follow uh, one of the commentators, his name is O'Brien, uses, he uses the word strengthened. Strengthened. The New Century Bible uses the, the word strengthened. The Amplified Bible uses, uses the word braced. The nuance is that Paul wanted to see these believers not weak, he didn't want them to see them immature, but he wanted to see them strengthened and encouraged in their hearts, braced in their hearts. And the question becomes, how does one get his or her heart strengthened or braced up, encouraged in Christ? How does that happen? And Paul's answer is absolutely simple, and it is, it is profound. It is by being knit together, knit together, in love, knit together. See, maturity, true maturity, understands its need for others to attain maturity. True maturity is not an isolated island out by itself, figuring it out. That I've got, oh, I've got personal wisdom from God, and I hear this from the Lord. I don't need your voice anymore. I've got it by myself. I can figure this out because I've heard from the Lord. No, true Christian maturity is saying, I am knit together. Like a, a really good fabric. Knit together in love. And I need these others to hold me together. Maturity is achieved in community and never in isolation. The key that makes community work, really, is love. Love. Living together in love is crucial to maturity. Love is the biblical reality that allows the love giver 
to be self-sacrificing and acting on the good of the other. When people are, are maturing, they are strengthened in their hearts and, and being knit together with the unifying adhesive of love. There are many, many illustrations of, the, of this need to be knit together, to become strengthened and to become mature. So let, let me just kind of give you a few that I've seen. How about Christian marriage? I don't know of how many of you have, have Christian parents that are aging, that are still married, but there is nothing like watching Christian elderly saints mature. My, my grandfather, um, Grandpa Fred, and Grandma Goldie, not to be mixed up with the, the quilt Grandma Goldie that our family has, but our family, watching Grandpa and Grandma age together, it is sweet to watch them. They're, they're, they're their language is just mixed. They can, they can finish each other's statements. They act in certain ways because they already know each other. And when there's a fight or a disagreement, what do they do? They stay in it, right? We've made it, we've made it 50 some years. We've made it 60 some years. This is a bump in the road. And they just stay knit together. It's amazing to see the, the bond and the, the strength that is a product of their loving union. I've even seen it in my own marriage. Laura and I agree on a project or an issue. We are a force to be reckoned with. Because there's this bond of love. Knit together more and more. Or how about those marriages that no matter how many years they have been married, no matter what has happened, or you see and you hear in their marriage to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to, till what? Death do us part. When you, when you watch those marriages rooted in Christ and you go, what? That is beautiful. Considering everything that you have gone through, you are knit together in love. How is this done? How is this done? It is done through covenant promises expressed through love. Thornton Wilder had a play called The Skin of Our Teeth. And there's a quote that reflects what the Bible is saying about this covenant relationship, covenant promises expressed through love. Listen to this. I didn't marry you because you were perfect. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> I didn't marry you. I didn't even marry you because I loved you. And some of you are going, oh. Wait a second. I married you because you gave me a promise. That promise made up for your fault. And the promise I gave you made up for mine. Two imperfect people got married 
And it was the promise that made the marriage. And when our children were growing up, it wasn't a house that protected them. It wasn't our love that protected them. It was that promise. As a community, it has been a delight to watch you. As your pastor, to watch you struggle and be knit together in love through the good times and the bad times. It is a delight for me to work with elders as, as we have this unified vision and desire to see you mature in Christ. And it's, it's expressed through love in the community that we have as elders. It's our shared commitment, our shared promise to Christ and his love, for his love, for his church. In the last couple of years, our church has had some challenges. And what have we done? We've matured. We've grown up as we have been knit together in Christ. That's what spiritual maturity is. So how does this all, how does this apply? You and I need to become, be becoming more and more and more mature in our faith. And it can only be done, friends, in community. The community of a husband and a wife, the community between two friends, the community of, of missional communities, the, the community of, of ministries working together, the community that is found here together as we gather as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's got to be done together, right? Any time, though, that you find yourself in isolation hearing from the Lord or in isolation hearing from your flesh, there is a problem. It is the slow decay that leads to immaturity. We need to be knit together in love. Maturity, though, takes effort. Takes effort. And Paul says it in the context of community. Community takes effort in community. Maturity takes effort in community. We need to be strengthened in our hearts, braced in our hearts, and we need to be knit together in love. This is one of the features of maturity, and it is a great test of your maturity. Are you longing for community? Are you longing for others to be speaking and, and, and prying into your life, lovingly prying, Getting into those nooks and crannies and just saying, hey, what's going on here? Or how, how can I brace this? I see something going great. How can, I, how can I kind of be this buttress to keep you here so that you can take this next step and be braced again and encourage you? How can I be a part of this process with you? And if you find yourself alone, the best thing for you to do is to seek out intentionally Christian community. But the second feature of maturity is confidence or, or assurance. And we see this in the second half of verse, verse 2 and in verse 3. Paul calls the believers to, to move towards the riches of full assurance. Not partial assurance. Not 99% assurance. But full assurance. He wants to see a mature church who is confident able to stand and to be assured. The question is assured of what, right? He wants them to enjoy the, the riches of full assurance. What is, what is this? And Paul quickly answers that question for us. 
our assurance must be in the understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Assured of God's mystery. And this mystery is defined as Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. You need to be assured of that. A couple of words need to kind of be worked on to get to the point of this text. But the, the word mystery is a word used by Paul frequently in this book. Frequently fleshed out. It, it's not like a secret that only the initiated people know. You know, where there's a secret handshake or wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and you, you get it. Yeah, yeah. It's not that kind of a secret or that kind of a mystery. There are even kind of mystery religions at, at that time. And, and now, even now today, that, that argue only a select few can, can know this mystery. And if you don't, don't understand the mystery, it's not for you. Sorry about that. When Paul uses this, this, this word picture, it is seen in the understanding that the, the mystery is somehow veiled, that was at one time veiled and unseen and not totally understood, is now unveiled. It's revealed. It was not clear at one time, but now it is crystal clear. Do you see it now? The mystery was, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it is for all who truly desire to see it. And, and it, it's the person of Christ. He is the mystery that has been revealed. He is not a figure that is hard to figure out, but he is the one that, that may be hard to follow. He may be hard to follow because his kingdom centers on him. And not us. The mystery of Christ was a stumbling block for those who, who wanted to build their own kingdom. But he was the fulfillment of all that was promised and prophesied. Another challenging word here is, is, is not just mystery, but it was hidden. It, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That doesn't mean that these treasures are unknowable. They're hidden from those who do not believe, who do not want to see them. Christ is not special for people who know the codes or the, the special handshakes. He is for everyone who desires to know the truth. So how does this apply? We are called to become mature. And that will happen when we are in community with one another. And we will become, become confident in the Lord. So how does assurance come? And what is your assurance level? Mystery believes, uh, believers have strong levels of, of assurance in Christ and the mystery of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Confidence and assurance is a growing reality in life. The more that I engage and study and learn and pray and worship and am in, being knit together in community, the more all these things are happening, there is a growing reality of confidence and assurance this is true. And you go, yes! That, that's your cue. You go, yeah! The more I am learning and growing and enjoying and fellowshipping with God and fellowshipping with believers, the more and more my heart is confident. The more and more I am sure that this is true. 
And what does that do? It sends you out a door. It sends you into dangerous places with confidence and assurance. If this is true, Christ in me, the hope of glory, and he, he was the mystery that was kind of veiled and hidden in the ages past and generations past, but now he's revealed and he is now available for all who will receive him as the Spirit works in their lives. Man, I need to make sure you know. I need to make sure you know. What about you in the back? I want you all to know about Christ. The hope of glory can be in you. And it bolsters our confidence and our assurance. Confidence and assurance comes as we know Christ better. So here's my question for you. Are, are you working to know Christ better? Struggling and toiling to know him better? I am, I am over the top thrilled to hear about the number of women gather, that are gathered and signing up, signed up for Monday night uh, women's Bible study. Those things excite me. Not just because we got a lot of numbers. I think there were 17 that I heard that can make it here and there. 17. I, I'm not encouraged by that. I am encouraged by your desire to be knit together in love, in community, to, to become more confident and assured of, of Christ in you, the hope of glory, that you're maturing in Christ, that you're being presented as mature in Christ. I love that. I love that we have to consider as a church we need a bigger building. We need to do something because some of you are going, there's no more seats. And in fact, some of you are showing up earlier who, who never showed up earlier because you want to make sure you have a seat, right? But I love this because now we are growing up and maturing, maturing in Christ. We're becoming more confident, more assured. We're being fed. And now something is happening. It's giving and bearing fruit. I love this. This is great stuff. But it we can't come for a show. You can't come just to hear me. If you are, man, I'm going to disappoint you sometime. In fact, there may be a day when I move on. You need to be rooted not in a man, but in a message. You need to be rooted in Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's the most important thing. So are you growing to know him better? If not, don't just expect it to happen. Don't just expect maturity to bump into you along the road. You need to be in the word. You need to study the word. You need to be in prayer and, and fellowship. You need to be in community. Do you want to be mature? Do you, do you want to be more assured of Jesus and his relationship your relationship with him. If so, you have got to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. You work it out. There's a toiling that happens. It just doesn't happen naturally. You can see that in, in a marriage picture. I'm more assured of my relationship with my wife as we anticipate our the 15th wedding anniversary this coming November. I'm more assured. How? Why? I know her better than I ever did before. I know her, her struggles and her, her pains, and I know her, 
her quirks and her, her amazing things that just are splendiferous. Where you just, oh, look at that. I know it more and more because I'm, we're working and growing to know each other. And what does that do to me? No matter what comes my way, I'm confident and I'm assured. And the same is true in your walk with Christ in even greater, more amazing ways. Here's the last one. Third truth about maturity is that immaturity is foolishness. Immaturity is foolishness. Paul concludes this section with a really strong warning. There are those who will, uh, he's saying there's those who are going to try to, uh, their, their attempt, their goal is to delude you with plausible arguments, to draw you away from your, your, your mature confidence in this community. The world does not like, does not want you to be mature. They don't want you to be community-oriented. They, they, they don't want you to be confident. They don't want you to be assured Christians of, of your faith. They, they question everything. Really? You believe that? That's craziness. There's only one way to Jesus? Come on. One way to God? Only one way to heaven? Come on. There's got to be multiple ways up to God. And they want to delude you with plausible arguments. Really? One way? There's always been those who are trying to, to set off and fool people. So we need to be aware of these schemes. In Paul's time, there were Jews who tried to pull the young Christians from Christ by calling them back to a type of worship form and telling them that the Messiah had not died on a cross. Don't believe that. You want to worship? Let me, let me show you how it is done. Paul also saw the immature falling to false teaching of the time that argued for the fact that God could not take on flesh because flesh itself is evil. God would never come in the flesh, take on flesh, and dwell amongst us. They were too spiritually focused that they could not see God's work and, and beautiful story of redemption. They missed the whole story. There were also those materialists who wanted to live life for pleasure. Pleasure and temporal satisfaction. That one kind of hits home, doesn't it? We live in a culture that is just wanting to live for life and pleasure and temporary satisfaction. Whatever makes me happy now. And are those kinds of people around today? Absolutely. Let me mention a few delusions that we are tempted to believe in. According to a, a 2015 survey conducted by the Pew Forum, 72% of those in Illinois absolutely believe in God. Just 72. And just so you know, that 72% makes up for all religions. Jehovah's Witness, Evangelical Christians, Catholics, Muslims, Buddhists. 72%. 
37% of adults in Illinois would say that they look to religion the most for guidance on right and wrong. They're looking for direction for right and wrong. Only 30% of, 37% of Illinois is looking to God for guidance on right and wrong. Where is the other 60-some percent looking? Right here. 63% of adults in Illinois uh, say right and wrong depends on the situation. Yeeks. It's kind of scary. They've been deluded to think that even the treasures of wisdom and knowledge may be found outside of Christ. Paul would aggressively disagree, but immature, unconfident Christians have followed this delusion. Another delusion is the realm of morality, right? Many in our culture would argue that we must accept different lifestyles of morality because it, that is the most loving thing to do. I just, we just got to love people. Love is the, the most important thing. To say that God desires sexual expression to be in a monogamous male-female relationship of love is not loving and it, it is absolutely intolerant. No way. You, you can't say those things. But true knowledge comes from knowing Christ who created marriage and relationships that reflect him. Do not be deluded. Another area of delusion in our culture has to do with power and prestige and money. We live in a quite a wealthy area, whether you believe it or not. You hold a lot of financial wealth and prestige. Laura and I are grateful for God's blessings in the terms of the financial material blessings that we receive but often we are convicted, and maybe it's true with you, and I hope it is, that we bought into an immature view that wealth or power positions are ends in themselves. Our goal is for this, and it's immature. The good life is to be rich without any kind of worries, to be healthy and no other worries. To have some kind of power and no other worries. God's kingdom is made up of mature believers who find, themselves, find their treasures in him and can endure the onslaughts of poverty and sickness and suffering as we follow and are confident in Christ. I'm not sure many... American Christians would be able to truly handle poverty. In verse 5, Paul says that he was rejoicing because he heard that they were mature and firm in their faith in Christ. My friends, may this be true of Missio Dei Church in the days, weeks, months, and years to come that we are mature and firm in our faith in Christ. 
Maybe those who are fighting for maturity, that, that, that it will show itself in a strong community of love, in a mature group of believers who have a full assurance of God's mystery in Christ and do not fall, fall for the, the prey of the devil and the delusional arguments of this day. I pray that we will not fall for the competing gospels. But stand firm on the gospel. The good news of Christ. That's my desire for us. And I pray that's your desire. That you are growing up in Christ. In community. Being knit together. We're going to be coming to the Lord's Supper. Don't shut your Bibles and think this is the end, okay? We, we are going to be coming to the Lord's Supper in just a little bit. And it, it is a huge privilege, week in and week out. But I want to direct your, your thoughts for just a couple minutes to help you prepare for this next act of worship. I want you to think their hearts were encouraged or strengthened. They were being knit together in love. As we partake in the Lord's Supper together, let us allow the Spirit of God to knit our hearts together. Being knit together and if you have something against another, take it to that person. That is absolutely scary, isn't it? Because some of you are going, oh, I should go talk to so-and-so, but what are people going to say? But part of Christian community is going to the other, taking care of business, of bitterness, of anger, of hurt, pride and saying I need to confess this before you because my greatest desire is to be knit and to grow up and be mature in Christ and I, I know that requires us to be in community and to be knit together in love and right now I've got to be honest I don't have a lot of love for you I want to but my heart is is right here I want us to be this kind of community that when we come together at the Lord's Supper and we take this bread and we drink this cup and we say, I understand Christ's body being broken and poured out for me and this creates something in me that I am a new creation in Christ and therefore it, it calls me to live in such a way to be right with one another and to be strengthened by these people that are being, that are being brought together as as being built together into this temple, each part having a piece. We're family members being, being put together, adopted together into this family, and we need to be knitted together in love. Secondly, Paul says, reaching all the riches of full assurance. I pray that as you come to the Lord's Supper, This will be a time where your confidence and assurance in Christ is strengthened. As you come to your, your meal time, 
uh, afterwards, you, you, you go out for lunch or go home for lunch. What, what does that meal do? It strengthens you, right? It, it, it allows you to go to the next function, the next thing. And it, it gives you strength for the, a new day. Breakfast is one of the most important meals of the day, right? Right, that's what they tell us at school at least, right? So we start off with a meal to give us strength to, to make through. And so here we, we come together at this, this meal, eating and drinking, dining on Christ who is the gospel. Brent, go to the communion slide. I think I have it up. Yep, the quote. I, I used this last week in preparation for, for communion. J.C. Ryle said, he who eats the bread and drinks the wine in the right spirit will find himself drawn into closer communion with Christ and, feel, and will feel to know him more and understand him better. That is reaching all the riches of full assurance is what that is. I want you to know friends, that Christ died for you while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for you, despicable you, and he has now given you a new name. And this mystery of Christ in you is a reality. We need to allow this time communion to mature us. We can physically experience the glory of the mystery which is Christ in you. He is present. He is present. Let's pray and then we'll enjoy communion together.